Welcome to the biggest night in the history of Wrestling Society X. And what we have here tonight is a double main event, each with its own set of deadly stipulations. The first, Los Pochos versus the Cartel, and a Piranha death match. And you can see that fish tank there with Deadly Piranha right there in the ring. Now, the object of this for one of the teams to push their opponent in that tank. Now, once they go in there, they have to close the lid for a three count in order to be declared the winner. And then Team Dragon Gate looks to avenge their loss against the Filth and the Fury by challenging them to an exploding steel cage match rigged with a time bomb. Ladies and gentlemen, meat ciders of the world, Wrestling Society X's main show goes out, not with a whimper, but with a bang! I'm Big Meaty Cool, or Chris, whichever you prefer, and I am joined by a man who laughs in the face of a time limit rigged exploding cage, someone who paddles in a piranha tank and thinks nothing of telling Vampiro that Black Label Society is rubbish. It's my partner in podcast crime, Danny the Scottish Juggalo, a.k.a. The Meat Guy. And Danny, how have you been? Really good this week, mate. Um, how's yourself? Oh, I'm great. Uh, there is, there's no sadness, only gladness for what has been an excellent first season of Cold Cuts, my friend. It really has, mate. Today is bittersweet, but... Like you said about me telling off Vampiro, I will definitely take that jacket first and then tell him uh, where that Black Label Society is rubbish. Oh, totally, yeah. That that waistcoat is a, a proper... It's aces and eights level of uh, banging, isn't it, really? Yeah, it really is. I, I hope he still has it. Me too, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it would be nice if he, he had it in a wardrobe somewhere, as uh, long as he took good care of it, because leather can get surprisingly damp surprisingly quickly, apparently. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, we are not a haberdashery podcast. We are exclusively a wrestling and horror podcast. And while we do have a couple of episodes of Cold Cuts left to do, uh, once we finish our review of WS Extra, it is not going to be the end. Um, these episodes will come out around the time that Danny and I are on our respective Hollybobs. But we will take time in a few weeks when we return to talk about our thoughts and feelings in full, as well as a few opinions on what the future had held for the Wrestling Society X had it got a second series. Uh, but we do have a lot to share opinions on tonight, as Chris and Brett stand behind the Piranha Deathmatch structure before welcoming Jordan and Cyrus from Newfound Glory to the booth. And it seems, Danny, that they're one of those Green Day-type bands, so... I can't quite decide if their complete indifference tonight is because they're being all punk and that, or they're just a pair of clowns. <laughs> it certainly was hard to tell, but yeah, you would definitely... I'd go for the latter on that one, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I think so too, my friend. But either way, they would have been coming off the release of their fifth album, Coming Home, the main single of which being It's Not Your Fault, which was actually released in 2006. But in the year of our Lord Kevin Kleinrock, 2007, they covered the song Kiss Me by Sixpence Nom the Richer, which I'm expecting was what they would have played. So it's currently playing over this paragraph. 
Um, and it wasn't bad for a cover, really, Danny. Fairly standard pop-punk fare, really, I think. Fantastic stuff, mate. Is that the one that you sent me? Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was what I sent, just so that you knew what was playing, really. Because, uh, yeah, yeah um, they, they were definitely due a cover. Because, yes, I know I'm not exactly a, a pop-punk kind of guy. I'm, I'm more into the... Um, hardcore punk and kind of like metalcore kind of scenes in my punk stuff uh, but yeah I, I could really take or leave uh, New Found Glory's output but what wasn't standard fair was match number one as the apparently still face Fabian Kalin looking every bit like Beetlejuice on a night out with the lads introduced the competitors in our opening contest Welcome to the season finale of Wrestling Society As the bloody cartel faced Los Pochos Guapos in a piranha death match. And prior to actually watching this match, mate, what were you expecting to see? Anything. I mean, my mind was totally open. I was thinking that um, to, if you want to go all the way, I was thinking that the ring would be would have um, like a little swimming pool underneath it and there would be piranhas underneath. So <laughs> I was just I was just not sure what to think, but my mind was definitely open. What about you, mate? So, um, at the very least, and uh, Rob alludes to this in his comment on Cage Match, I was at least expecting bloody piranhas. Um, I, I think the tank that was at ringside was actually filled with place. Yes, I thought so as well. <laughs> I was going to say goldfish, but um, yeah, it seemed a bit weird, wasn't it? <laughs> it was really, but yeah, going back to what you said, kind of a... Inferno match style structure, but with piranhas. So, like, every time you slam somebody, a whole bunch of piranhas leapt up in the air. Now, that would have been really cool. But yeah. never mind. No, just think of the visuals of that. That would have been really cool to see. And it would have been more of a threat, wouldn't it? Exactly. And, uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am not one of those fans that thinks they should have had actual live man-eating piranhas in a wrestling match because that would have been incredibly foolish. But you at least, uh, if you're going to deliver something like this, make the fish look a little bit more, you know, dangerous than uh, than cuddly. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I'm just thinking... I don't know if it's possible to, you know how like sometimes they have snakes on films where they bite someone but they have no teeth. I'm not sure if it's possible to defang a uh, piranha, but maybe we could look into that. <laughs> well, um, being somebody that's actually filleted and gutted fish in my last job before today, mate, with all due respect, I'd like to see you bloody try. <laughs> I think you'd lose more than just a finger, mate. Let's just say that. Because... Um, <laughs> Actual live man-eating piranhas are bloody vicious and they are bloody quick as well. So, bloody, bloody, bloody. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the word of the episode for me. So, let's bloody crack on with it, shall we? we shall. So, the, the object of the match is to submerge an opponent for a three-count, it seems. And we get um, one of the 
more awesome WSX recaps of the issues between these two teams before we get into it. And we get told that Los Pochos Guapos have left the Cervezas on ice and the Mamacitas at home. So these guys obviously mean business, don't they, mate? Oh, they really do. And I have to give a big shout out to um, Fabian Kalen because when he was introducing um, uh, Aguilera, he threw in Jesus um in his introduction for the first time ever and i was i mean i know that tickled me and you because um that's who we're massive that's how we got to know him so yeah big big um props for that yeah totally it, it is nice to get the odd occasional uh, insider reference isn't it really yeah yeah and it's also nice when the action starts with all four men going at it which is what we get here as chaos wipes out the outside interferers before aguilera takes out delicado and lil cholo with back elbows before hoisting chaos up for a back elbow before chaos almost launches lil cholo into the tank and this is where we get the first look at this and it's a very tiny tank isn't it really yeah, I was actually really surprised someone could fit in there, but um, yeah, they managed it, but yeah. Yeah, indeed. I mean, yeah, I, I suppose it's all a budgetary thing because it was quite a reinforced tank, really, wasn't it, when when you look at the glass? So I, I expect even that little one probably wipes out what was left of the uh, MTV money, I suppose. Yeah, and I think if this match comes back in a major promotion now, they could have better lighting so you could see a lot more. Yeah, definitely. That's it. Yeah, this this is the kind of thing where, you know, they probably have had matches like this in Japan. And I mean, if if if, if anything, that's probably a step down because some of those old uh, FMW and Big Japan matches, they're almost played out to like a pitch black arena. So, yeah, you, you could see something, but it would have been nice for it to have been a little bit clearer, wouldn't it? Yeah. But never mind, uh, Los Pochos Guapos try again, but Bag in Basement Cypress Hill managed to put the lid of the tank on the top of it to save Cholo as Aguilera reverses an Irish whip from Delicado. However, Delicado reverses a Tornado DDT to take out both men. Aguilera then gets his head dunked in the tank, but Chaos makes the save before hitting a gorgeous moonsault to a standing Delicado, as Cholo is very nearly in the tank again, looking every bit like Homer Simpson in a paddling pool. <laughs> he was, wasn't he? Yeah, just just the way that his arms and legs were just draping out of that tank. I just, <laughs> I just half expected him to start looking for a hot dog in that water. Yeah, know? and the little beers flying around him as well. <laughs> yeah. So Aguilera fights to force him in, but Delicado kicks the ropes, catching Aguilera in his giant main eventer ball bag. So Cholo and Cardo hit a baseball slide to Chaos and force him towards the tank as Aguilera has his hands full with Sendog and Be Real. Aguilera manages to make the save, allowing Chaos to set up a corner table before Chaos places Cholo into the arms of Aguilera, who plants him into the table with a very impressive powerbomb. Chaos then sets up Delicado in the ropes and pushes him towards Aguilera, but he ducks the lariat for Aguilera as Chaos catches it full force in the face and is sent crashing into the tank. The lid is then forced shut and the pin and the win, if you will, in the match like this, goes to the cartel. So not the result I wanted, Danny, but this was four minutes of fun, mate. What say you? 
Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, I would have expected um, Aguilera and Chaos to win, but this was actually a really fun opener. I thought that this would have been the main event, but sometimes as um, proven in modern wrestling, sometimes you open with like a big match like this to get everyone like excited. So, yeah, I was very yeah. impressed with this match. Yeah, as was I. And I think really probably the, the only reason they maybe went with the other match as a main event is because it presented more of a spectacle, didn't it, really? Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll get to it when we talk about the match. But, yeah, there's probably a, a very good reason why that couldn't have opened the show. But um, if Wrestling Society X had gotten a season two, Danny, where would you have seen Los Portos Guapos going? Because we've had an awful lot of mix-ups and mistakes from both men. But they've continued to stay together in spite of this. But now we're getting an opponent accidentally lariating his own partner in the face. And it's a um, and Chaos is obviously a guy that was already quite frustrated by some of Aguilera's antics, wasn't he? Yeah, he really was, mate. And that's a great question. Um, I think we would have had to have them feud at some point um, because... Jesus, I always call him that, um, Aaron Aguilera, um, he, I think, is more of the main event star of the two. I mean, I could be wrong with that, but um, he's certainly shown in this, and I know we've both watched that NWA promo he did on YouTube that probably went nowhere, but <laughs> um, he's definitely the main event, so I would have loved to see them feud and then Aguilera go into the main event scene. Um, what about you, mate? I agree, to be honest, mate. Like, I, I could quite easily see Chaos turning heel out of all this. Like, finally being sick of his friend and Aguilera maybe trying to patch things up and then maybe even getting a, a little bit of a of a swerve, bro, where, you know, Chaos forgives him, they have this big match, and then Chaos turns his back on him during the match and they then end up feuding. Uh, but who knows? I mean, yeah, these two were great together either way, but that's the only thing that we had missing here, which was a, a proper feud between these two men, really. Yeah, and I remember early on in this um, series, Chris, you described Chaos as one of the very few bright spots of XPW, and it is really a shame that he really went nowhere after this. I mean, um, I'm shocked he didn't end up on Impact or something like that, because I think he could be an effective heel. Yeah, definitely. So I know he did a few jobber spots in WWE around late 2007, early 2008. But yeah, it's a shame that that's as far as it went because, you know, he, he is very good at what he does. And to be fair to him, he probably suits better being a heel than being a face. But he was yeah. quite versatile. I mean, you could see him either way as like that little hothead guy that, you know, ends up having the match of the night maybe. But yeah, it's a shame, but as long as he's happy, I suppose. Yeah, and he's really good on the uh, Dark Side of the Ring um, XTW episode. He came across very, very well, well-spoken. So it's nice yeah. to see that he's still uh, being well. Exactly, yeah, because like, he's, like you say, mate, he, he has been a real bright spot to this series. So, yeah, as yeah. long as he's healthy and happy, that's all that matters, isn't it? Yeah. So commentary then hype up our main event before we cut to Lacey for a Scorpio Sky interview before Vampiro, who is clearly pissed, looks to take the time instead. Um, understandably, Sky is perturbed by this, so Vampiro responds in the most mature babyface way possible by kicking his head in. And with that just violent chop that out of nowhere, he just asked 
Lacey to just move aside, and she did. And then he just, it was like um, Sky just stood there and took it. I, I think that could have been reshot, Chris. I don't know about you, mate, but that could have yeah. been redone. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, they were probably trying to go for an air of realism here, but to be yeah. fair, the stuff backstage just looked really amateur hour, to be perfectly honest. But yeah, maybe they just had to get a lot done in a short space of time. But Vampiro leads Sky to the ring, uh, pulling his trousers down first, of course, and then proceeds to wail on everyone who moves, including referees, Poundland Chavo, and the trailer park boys. I mean, talk about a sore loser, Danny. Absolutely, mate. And not before Sky plays the part of Ric Flair here. Um, <laughs> by just <laughs> being the flasher. Um, the commentary sounded very excited that... Um, Scorpio Sky's trousers came undone, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they were, yeah. I mean, it, it must have been a long day's taping, who knows. But yeah, they, they seemed to be enjoying themselves a little bit too much there, didn't they? Absolutely, right. And um, that leads um, Vampiro to say that he wants Ricky Banderas, which I thought that feud was over, Chris, if I'm honest. As did I. But of course, uh, as an otherworldly being, uh, Banderas has super hearing. So he runs out to be the babyface saviour that we all need, uh, peppering Vampiro with throat thrusts. But Vampiro managed to get some kicks in and clotheslines Ricky out of the ring before brawling to the back. So obviously fans of WCW backstage assault. <laughs> Definitely. So that feud, um, well, since WSX didn't continue, I'm sure they're still brawling to this day. Definitely, yeah. They're 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 probably still in a um in a backlot car park in Los Angeles somewhere, having a good <laughs> scrap. But I'll be very honest with you, mate. Um, again, if season two had been a thing, I could have seen these two doing a proper role reversal here. Yeah, definitely, mate. And I think we could have got a real um, Scorpio Sky versus Vampiro match as well out of this. Yeah, totally. Like, even if it is just um, a very similar to the X-Pac match where Sky gets a bit of chance to shine but ultimately loses. Yeah, I could see something like that happening. Um, so, yeah, never mind. But to me, I think Vampiro is a very effective heel. I mean, his, his face stuff works as like a, a working class hero type. But I do prefer my Vampiro being a bit of a shit disturber, if I'm being honest. Yeah, definitely, mate. But sadly, we don't get to see any more of this brawl that probably is still happening all those years later. As we cut to Matt Seidel, ear-wigging on six-pack, laying his best lines on Lizzie Valentine. In what appears to be a crack den, Danny. I noticed this. Um, I mean, we we talked about this just just now with the Lacey and Scorpio Sky, how, how that was set up. I um, I mean we know X Pac was in a bad space at this in this in the late two thousand and or two thousands, and you just looked this just could have been set up a lot better. X Pac also came off, it just came off really bad here as well. I mean probably yeah. the worst of the three. Just. He absolutely did. I mean yeah, he's he's sat there looking every bit like a washed up rock star, and you, you yeah. can just imagine him being like, so Lizzie. Wanna get some coke? Make some noise. Yeah. And <laughs> it was such a shame because um WWE had always put out these little shots of 
Wild Dog and, and um, Billy Gunn being like this in uh, TNA in their times. Mm. And don't get me wrong, they've admitted they were addicted to drugs and things like that. But they looked more TV presentable than X Park here. They did, yeah, to be really honest. Um, I, you've also got to love the production values here, as um, on the one side, Matt Seidel's breaking a door down before we cut to the other end, where he literally just gently boops the door down, which promptly gave me the biggest laugh of the night. Like, the, <laughs> the hinges weren't even attached. And, and, and literally, if he's going to do that, put everything behind it, but it's just this tiny little little dinky push, and down comes the door. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're kicking off on one side, and then you've done that here. But all, all I can gather is that they've done the very best they can because that door was not staying up. So they've just had to go, right... You you hold it till till you're ready, and then push it down. And he's taking it literally. That's that's all I can gather from that. No, you're hundred percent on the money there. But X Pac's supposed to be some type of babyface, and he says STFUB to uh, Lizzie Valentine, which I was quite shocked about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we we get to see the babyface hero here, um, Matt Seidel, brawling with X Pac, who literally blatantly gets the upper hand before he calls everybody a bitch he calls Seidel a bitch the girl that he was chatting up a bitch before (laughs) stating he didn't want Matt's knockoffs anyway blatantly did Um, and then he just buggers off to uh, apparently another mystery doorway that Seidel could have come through I like to think he went to the mystery doorway of TNA, the impact zone in Orlando. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, the forbidden doorway. Um, But yes, it looks like that this was the next feud that they were alluding to for Matt Seidel. Um, But obviously, uh, by the middle of 2008, at least post-WrestleMania, Matt Seidel would make his debut for ECW, um, pretty much teaming with Kofi Kingston every week, but I'm all here for that, as first of all, he was Matt Seidel, still in his Dragon Gate pants, and then the week after, he would change his name to Evan Bourne. So, in all honesty, Danny, I still believe, with all the will in the world that Kevin Kleinrock had, that Matt Seidel would have signed for WWE anyway, because this is WWE we're talking about, and they always get what they want, or at least they did in the late 2000s. But just working with me here, if these guys were still around for a second series, where do you see Lizzie Valentine going? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think she would have been inserted into another feud, or mm. because... We know, I mean, I fully agree with you. Um, Sidell would have gone to WWE. Um, she would have lost, she might have been more, no, I can't say she would have been more of a presence, but I think she would have been possibly managing maybe someone like Scorpio Sky or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, something like that. What about you, mate? Do you see her having much of a future? Well, in all honesty, like I, I noticed something that really would have turned the tables here because before Six Pack goes away, he calls Lizzie Valentine basically a bitch. And we all know that women love a bastard. So <laughs> I, I think in spite of all of this, she would end up siding with Six Pack anyway to create a new power couple for WSX. So that's, that's personally what I think would happen. And then Matt Seidel would go on to have a name-making feud 
with a guy like Sean Waltman before maybe being interjected into uh, what was the Dave Meltzer scoop from Lacey as Fabian Kalin has apparently announced without actually saying anything that a new championship title will be coming to WSX. Uh, now this title Danny in a move never seen in pro wrestling before will literally be limit free we're talking no time limits no weight limits just no limits now i was i was scratching the sides of my temple here danny because i was trying to think where i'd seen this before in this totally original title that had never existed anywhere else um but i could swear there was um an ex involved in this um imaginary title that's never existed as well yes i mean it's a head scratcher really is chris i mean yeah it's something that possibly has a division somewhere isn't it you could be onto something there danny yeah yeah maybe so it's something that involves the letter x with a legitimate division um hmm, hmm. we'll have to get our thinking caps on for that um but um, anyway, the, the, the workers of our wildest dreams, the human tornado and the human crimping machine. Pancakes! Eggs, milk and flour, pancake power. Look, Look at his milky old sunshine face. Flipping up, flipping good, ooh, flipping up, flipping good, ooh. Summer salt, summer sweet, summer fruit, summer meat. The time we used the chive, it really came alive. Edible frisbee, springtime juicy. I liked it, okay. Jack Evans will be facing off to determine the inaugural champion. And sometimes, Danny, you have to be thankful that some shows don't get a second series because I can't watch these two clowns <laughs> in the ring again. I just can't. No, I am totally agree with you, mate. I mean, they have a, a full roster here of guys that could have been like... I mean, you could have split up a, t- a tag team even or had like a, a dissension storyline between... Um, do it for her or something like. I mean, when you talk about a new championship and then you put uh, these two that we've just Human Tornado and definitely Jack Evans have got worse since we've started this. Um, and it's like, come on, guys, couldn't you have put two other people in this or have some sort of tournament or promise something else? But ultimately, mm. nothing. A, a tournament would have been brilliant. Like if 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 they were going to do this. For series two have ws extra start as a as a tournament show yeah i mean have it your was... team focus on the main show for the for that title and have a tournament between guys you know you've you've got plenty of people that could be involved like like you say jimmy jacobs and, and tyler black tyler black could have had this belt yeah yeah, because that, that's his character, is someone who is basically limitless, who can wrestle big guys, can wrestle small guys, fast, slow, high-flying, anything, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and again, because there's it, there's this limitlessness applied to it, you could also involve guys like Eric Cannon or Alcatraz or anybody like that and get some proper, like, David versus Goliath-style matches, at least for WSX, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it would have been... Would have been, could have been, to be perfectly honest. But, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously somebody really likes Jack Evans. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I can only apologise to you, Danny, because at, at the very start of this series, I said that Human Tornado was a bit of a underrated talent on this show. Um, but he ain't been. 
he's he's just been crap. Let's face it. He, do you know on those wrestling games when you just play the same character and you just hit the same moves over and over and over? I yeah. feel like he's the human uh, equivalent of that. Is like he's just been a one-hit wonder here, but. Um, yeah, it is such a shame. But no, you don't have to apologise, mate. I think um, Human Toledo should apologise for his um, sameness. He absolutely should, yes. But never mind, it's um, off back to the back lot of the Chappelle show for him to smoke <laughs> some crack. Um, but, but Danny, the wait is over as we witness the cage, the explosives and the timer. As Team Dragon Gate and the Filth and the Fury look to settle their score. And good or bad, Danny, I was looking forward to this. Me too, mate. I mean, this had plenty of hype off last week's show and throughout this show. And, I mean, you talk about Team Dragon Gate, that's from very early on in this season when they had that kidnapping angle. You can see WSX have been put in... Um, like effort in between like the character work and especially even with Phil from Fury as well although we haven't seen as much of them um yeah so uh, definitely worth it yeah I mean to be honest I, I know I've I've ripped on them over the last couple of episodes but Team Dragon Gate has probably had one of the more complete storylines of anybody in WSX it's had a proper beginning middle and I suppose here a bit of a forced end, um, but yeah, that their story has actually been quite an interesting one. Yeah, and it wouldn't see, look like it on paper, and then when you add in Ryan Sakoda, me and you were just marking out, weren't we? <laughs> oh, totally, and yeah, we, we get to see a lot of him in this match, which is good, uh, but Danny, I don't know if you already knew this, being the uh, encyclopedia of wrestling knowledge that you are, oh, I'm going to have to give SJP social media a quid, or plug the Scottish Danny wrestling encyclopedia t-shirt um <laughs> there you go you've had your plug um but um you may not already know this but teddy hart has a long history of being a little bit of a shit where cages are involved um as particularly if you do a search for teddy hart and cm punk you would find out more so there was a little bit of foreshadowing here into how he moonsaults into the ring but he starts alone as Sakoda pushes Cross into a barricade as he's getting in the ring. But Team Dragon Gate fall to a double clothesline before Hart delivers arm drags and power slams before Yoshino eventually gets the upper hand for the team, giving Cross time to enter via the cage wall as well. And then Horiguchi hits Hart with a Verta breaker. Um, so Cross launches at both men with a high cross body and lariats before Yoshino kicks him in the gut before Cross reverses the powerbomb attempt into a Hurricane Rana as Hart finally gets to his feet. He then climbs the cage and lands a perfect springboard moonsault. Of course, this is um, a back-end episode of Wrestling Society X, so we then cut to a break where all the best stuff has happened, um, including Team Dragon Gate giving Cross a good pasting before Hart fought back with all of his best flips, flips and more flips, including a lovely Canadian destroyer to Horiguchi, before Hart and Cross climb the ring for the open heart surgery shooting star press combo, which Hart lands, but Cross doesn't. Yoshino then rallies with a missile drop kick before Sakoda comes in and DDTs the referee. Team Dragon Gate then work on Cross as Hart scales the lighting rig to hit a shooting star press to all four men. 
And then this is where our explosives start to get involved, Danny, don't they? And I've got to say, every explosion here, especially the last one, look really impressive. Oh, big time, mate. I mean, it's something that AEW could have used. I mean, they should have hit up these XWF tapes. I mean, XWSX um, tapes. I keep doing that uh, because <laughs> those explosions were just like something out of a film. They really were. And yeah, even if it is just a bit of um, editing sweetening. Yeah, this looks absolutely fantastic. So Team Dragon Gear avoid a Macross cartwheel as he catches himself into the first of our exploding walls. And then while Hart's checking on Cross, um, Sakoda throws a fireball in his face to blind him for long enough for Sakoda to launch the poor referee into Hart's path who then power bombs the referee into the exploding cage. So oh. I hope he got a bonus for that, Danny. I love that. I mean, I've just started this new thing of um, uploading uh, clips of referees getting abused on Twitter. <laughs> and um, I'm definitely going to include this because that was excellent. Yeah, it was really cool, mate. And yeah, it's probably really easy to edit that in as well. So yeah, lovely. So yes, guys, if any of you want to see this for yourself, I mean, really, you could find the bloody episode on YouTube, you lazy gits. But if you're prepared to wait a couple of days, it will be on our social media. Yeah. So uh, Yoshino then climbs the cage as Sakoda launches heart towards Horiguchi, who backdrops him into the explosives as Yoshino starts the timer. Team Dragon Gate then escape the cage quickly to win the match as a high-octane explosion that puts Tony Khan's best effort to shame completely engulfs the WS Extra Bunker. Now, Danny, I'm not Lemmy, but talk about Overkill. Yeah, it was... But I really enjoyed it. I thought, I mm. thought it went very, very well. Um I mean, it was obviously unrealistic because, like, the crowd the, would be dead if that happened or something. Exactly. But I think it had to be, you know, like, this This is a company that's promised the absolute extreme of everything. So, yeah, while it's like, oh, everybody's still alive and no one's on fire, but, yeah, everything's gone mysteriously quiet, it was certainly a very cool visual, wasn't it? Big time, mate. And like you said about the Tony Khan thing, I mean, that explosion was just nothing compared to this. <laughs> no. And I I even loved the abrupt ending to the show here. So commentary go absolutely berserk as Team Dragon Gate stand tall before we then cut to complete silence. Like even the Big Vision <laughs> Entertainment logo after the credits were silent. And I think it was totally the way to go here. Yeah, that happens with um, EastEnders when something very, very dramatic happens. They just roll the credits without the uh, music and it just makes a massive difference. Yeah, EastEnders, a.k.a. Wrestling for Women. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, every week I keep trying to get us cancelled. So, you know, let's let's not say one of these days, but no, um, I do love a bit of East Enders to be perfectly honest. So yeah, a good, good comparison made there, mate. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, somebody years ago told me wrestling was just East Enders with steel chairs. Totally. Yeah. I couldn't agree more to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Uh, but with that, Danny wrestling society X goes out on an absolutely massive high. I mean, we've, We've gushed about this to the cows come home, mate. But what are your thoughts on this season-ending episode? 
Excellent, mate. I mean, we've talked about, we've seen some bad episodes, we've seen excellent episodes. Um, this episode was really, really good. You had two giant main events. You had a little bit of weird backstage stuff, but that was to be expected. And overall, you had um, the, we got to see like a massive main event and um, something worthy of, of season one ending. Um, so yeah, high praise all round. How about you, mate? So I agree with you, mate. So the last couple of episodes really they've they've felt like a lot of the back end of the editing offcuts and that's that's fair enough you know they only had so much to work with uh but i think this was absolutely the way to go out yeah i mean it's it's a shame really because this this episode was never actually broadcast by mtv so in the end it was all for nothing but if this had been on tv you know you would be wanting to get a second season out of this um you know i, I certainly know i did after that cage match so this was absolutely the way to go out you go out swinging with two insane tag team matches a continuation of our main event feud for the title and six pack head to foot in leather i mean what more could you want yeah well said mate and um it's just a shame that this went nowhere it is danny and yeah so we are going to pack that end of the discussion there as we will have a proper wrap-up episode in a few weeks where danny and i will share our thoughts we'll give out some end of season awards which is something that we're going to do at the end of every episode of cold cuts anyway um some of it serious, some of it for laughs. Um, but, Danny, I know what you're dying to know. Did Cage Match like it? Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually got the most comments for an episode ever. We have a grand total of four. Uh, but sadly, there is not a Moose Nugget or Damien in sight this week. These are all debut commenters. Oh, wow. That is such a shame. I wonder where Damien is this week. <laughs> well, who knows? Um, yes, where is Mr. 5 out of 10? But we actually start with a Mr. 10 out of 10, as AG32 gives this episode a 10 and says... A piranha death match and an exploding steel cage match that never made it to TV and were both actually fun! Matt Seidel broke down a door, which was also hilarious. Rest in peace, WSX. You deserved better than that. Heck yeah. I well like this said. guy. Yeah, you're very well said. And I love the fact that he paid tribute to it as well. And it did deserve better. Yeah. <laughs> it did. I mean, and looking at some of these comments on Cage Match, it's a real shame because you can't actually click on someone's name to see what else they've commented on but this guy seems like someone that just loves his wrestling and i would love to know what else he's reviewed mate because i want to watch whatever he's watching if, if he's giving out high praise like this most definitely absolutely mate <laughs> <laughs> so not as high but still quite positive is gold liger who gives the episode a seven and says what a wild show a piranha deathmatch that lasts less than four minutes and the dude that goes in the tank gets dunked accidentally by his partner and lets out within seconds despite the fish in that tank definitely not being piranhas. A segment where Vampiro beats up Scorpio Sky and a dozen other people to set up an angle that never happens. A promo between Evans and a human tornado for a match that never happens. 
Sixpack beating up Seidel in an abandoned building over Seidel's girlfriend, which leads to nothing. A wild five-minute exploding catch match. Ten minutes, dickhead, where Teddy Hart goes insane, stupid shit, and everybody around him just tries to match that level of crazy until the thing explodes with an insane effort that looks like it would have killed everybody in the building if it was real. Commentary talk up WSX for less than a minute after the explosion and the credits roll with WSX never to be seen again, especially since this episode never aired on TV. I can't say it's not fun to watch, especially at 20 minutes. Couldn't say it better myself. He uh, definitely watched it. He didn't give it the old Dave Meltzer, I watched this, but really I didn't, and I'm just rating it to shit on it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so, mate. Um, our next comment is also a, a 7 out of 10, as um, potentially German Steve Blackman enthusiast Head Cheese says, A fun last episode for Wrestling Society X. Team Dragon Gate versus the Filth and the Fury was a fun match. Short but sweet. Ah, oh, I mean, it's very true. It's very true. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, short, sweet, and probably not German. And someone who definitely isn't German is our debut commenter of the evening, UTT Rob. Never heard of him. Who? <laughs> I know, exactly. Who is that guy? Um, <laughs> but he is a fan of the show, Danny, as um, he doesn't actually give a rating. Uh, but he says, Can't wait for this comment to be read out on the One Man's Meat Cold Cuts podcast, where my full thoughts on the last episode of Wrestling Society Extra, WS Extra will be. But they could have found some fish that looked a bit more like piranhas. Shame that the series ended here. I wish MTV had given it a better chance. Very it's, well said. It's like he's in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Very well said, though, Rob. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah fantastic. <laughs> Very much so, Rob. And we do thank you for your support and exclusive hosting of these episodes. So please just take that in the respectful jest that I meant it. Um, but, guys, uh, what what do you think to the terrible impressions? Do you want to see more of them on Cold Cuts? And what do you think of Cold Cuts? Where do you want us to go after this? We've only got a few episodes left. Um, you can't change our mind on Series 2 because we really want to do Series 2. But you might change my mind on Series 3. So do please get onto Twitter at One Man's Meat Pod. Give us your thoughts. Give us your feelings. But don't be giving us no sexual healing because he's got a girlfriend and I've got a wife. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We are taken men. Um, but, folks, we are down to our final episode of this company's output. But we will be going out in style, as in true season two of Unbooking the Territory style. We will be joined by our pod parents, UTT Rob and Dan Griffin, to go over the last episode of WS Extra. And there'll be a lot to look forward to there, guys. But in the meantime, and in between time, stay cold, meat ciders. <laughs>